Island Church in Galveston, Texas, welcomes you to our podcast. Be encouraged by Pastor Rusty Martin as he teaches the Word of God. For you see, I'm working. I'm working in the area of those who have moved away from me, drawing them back. So begin to declare every day they're returning. Begin to declare every day they have an ear to hear my word. For I am wooing them and drawing them even now. And many of them have said in their heart, I can't find my way back, but I'm going to show them and they will find it. Be ready, be ready to forgive, be ready to love, be ready to embrace, welcome, restore those that feel like they have missed the mark, missed their opportunity, and are not functioning in the grace they need to. For their day of restoration is upon this church, and you shall see a great return of the prodigal coming back to the Father's house. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Glory to God. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. (laughs) I'll say that, Lord. Yeah? You that are watching by live stream, the Lord saw your hand. He saw it. Praise God. Praise God. Amen. Isn't God good? Praise God. You may be seated this morning. Hallelujah. Let's study the Word for a little bit. We're so privileged this morning. We've got two wonderful missionary families with us. We've got uh, Keith and Sarah Hogden's uh, mother and father from Mexico. Would you stand up? Give them a big... Praise God, and her brother, amen. All of you stand up. Come on, stand up. Give them a hand clap. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Isn't that awesome? How many years of ministry in Mexico have we got? 52 years of ministry. Some of you aren't even 52 years old, amen. 52 years of ministry in Mexico. That's, we were down there with them last year. We're going to go back uh, this year. It's just glorious. What they've, the work they've done down there is just glorious and has certainly opened a wonderful door of utterance. Amen. And then we have uh, 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 Steve, Stephen, and Rachel Macri. Stand up, if you will. They're precious missionaries from Australia. Amen. They're very, very dear. to And your son, stand up. Come on. Give him a hand clap. Glory to God. Praise God. They're very, very, you know, we love all of our missionaries. We just love some more than others. I'm just kidding you. (laughs) But Stephen was a great blessing, and God used him to help restore the church. And uh, he was hiding in the construction business, and we found him. (laughs) And God sent him to the mission field. So they're here for a time of blessing and restoration, refreshing. Every missionary needs that, and we're glad they are. Amen? And we're glad you're here. Everyone is special. Glory to God. If you will, turn to John, the Gospel of John, chapter 21. We'll look at the Gospel of John this morning. We'll also take a reference in the book of 2 Peter, chapter 1, if you want to get that ready. Hallelujah. We've been studying the subject of operational faith. Now, one of the things that makes it difficult to walk in faith, to truly walk in faith the way you should to see your, your faith effective where you say, you know, I prayed and believed God and now this has happened or I've played, prayed and believed God now I have this or I've, I've prayed and believed God and God's done this for me. God wants that. Did you know He wants that? But you know, many times we get, how can you say that? Uh, frustrated with faith or, or, or discouraged or 
you know, we just, it just, you seem like, well, it just not, it just doesn't seem to be working like it should. Has anybody ever experienced that besides me? Now, many times that lies, that frustration lies in something that's in our life that we don't deal with like we should, and maybe it causes us a setback. Has anybody ever had a setback? And you thought, man, if I'd have been doing that, this wouldn't have happened. And that's always an area in which the enemy tries to get into your mind and try to make you think, well, you failed God, and then, you know, you've this and you've that, and, and you're not worthy. And he always tries to revert or reverse the opinion that God has of you and that he's given you a revelation of. Let me tell you, God loves you. And I don't care what you've done, how you've failed, or what you've gone through that's caused failure or setback. God's got a plan of restoration, and God's got a way of giving you your life back. Amen. I wrote a note. I wrote it sideways in my Bible, so I'm going to come over and read it like this. How about that? It is God's will for you to be happy, healthy, and blessed, and to have a life. Everybody say a life. That means a life unique to you. But he also wants you, he, but he also wants you producing fruit with joy and righteousness. So it is the will of God. It's not the will of God you be sick. It's not the will of God you be broken, poor, and living from paycheck. It's, that's not the will of God. But if you get frustrated many times in trying to get to that place, look, it took Lee and I years. We finally got to that place in which God's blessings were so overwhelming in our life. We don't owe anybody anything. We don't, we don't, we don't have any, uh, you know, things hanging over us that are, you know, no, no, we just, we just live free. Uh, we, just, we just enjoy the, the church, the ministry that God's given us, the people that surround our life. I mean, th- this is our life. And, these, and you are the love of our life. And God loves you through us, through our ministry. So you've got to understand, no matter how big of a failure or a setback or what, God loves you, wants to restore you, and wants to give you more than you ever dreamed of. And sometimes people, they, they, get, they, they get, how can I say that? They get kind of, it's kind of a, an attitude in which, yeah, well, you know, that works for others. I've actually had people say this to me. You know, it works really good for you, but I can't get it to work for me. I've had people leave the church. One, one individual, one couple in particular, and they, they left the church brokenhearted, not really going to some other church, just left the church, really didn't go to church. But I, I had a conversation with the, with the gentleman, and he said, I can't get this faith stuff. I can't get it. And I said, well, one of the reasons you can is you keep saying you can't. He says, well, I don't understand it. It confuses me. I says, well, one of the things is you're missing the principles of confession and everything you're saying you're getting because you're saying it on the negative side, on the human side, on the fallen side of humanity, and the devil makes sure you, make sure, make sure you have it when you say it. God, you've got to fight the fight of faith to get it. Amen? So people get frustrated. They get upset. They get mad. And they're like, well, I'm a, I'm a failure. Well, you know, it, it just kind of ran its course. I failed in my marriage. I failed in my business. I failed with my children. I failed at serving God. Well, it's just par for the course. No, you can't be like that. The devil will destroy you. Listen, you've got to make a decision to rise up as the, as the child of God that God has called you to be. Shake yourself. Shake off all that doubt and unbelief. Get right with God. I mean right with God where you're living holy and righteous. Regain your dream. Regain your vision and get busy and get after it. The days are short. The time is short. And we need to be busy about the master's business. Amen. And let me just say this. There's not a lot of time for a bunch of recovery right now. 
You need to be pressing in, serving God with all of your heart in the righteousness and holiness that He's provided. Listen, that's the life that you can only dream of. Amen. Last Sunday morning, y'all were enjoying a wonderful meeting with Brother Greg Fritz. I was sitting in a deer blind with probably the two most prolific deer hunters the state of Texas has ever seen. Amen. Hunting on probably one of the top ranches in Texas. Enjoying having the time of my life. And out comes the biggest deer I've ever seen in my life. And it takes 20 minutes to get right that they film it all. And we're having this. And I, after it was all over, I was standing over by the brush. And I, I literally had to keep, my, keep the tears from rolling down my cheeks. Because it was literally a dream come true. And you know how it happened? He's a good, good father. I said, he's a good, good father. And I gave that illustration to show you it's not just within the confines of ministry and, and missions and, and, and soul winning. and It's your entire life he wants to be involved in. Every aspect from your, your little hobbies, your little dreams, little things, he wants to be involved in every bit of it so that he can enhance it and bless you and make it better. He's a good, good father. I'm glad they sang that song. I love that song. John 21. Let's look at this in, in, in Scripture for just a moment. I wrote at the top of this, this is how we are restored from spiritual failure. Verse, verse 1 of chapter 21. After these things, Jesus showed himself again to the disciples of the Sea of Tiberias, and on this wise he showed himself. They were together gathered, Simon Peter, Thomas, called Didymus, Nathanael of Cana in Galilee, and the sons of Zebedee and two others of his disciples. Simon Peter said unto them, now notice this. Simon Peter said unto them, I go a fishing. Now we know that this is taking place after the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. They knew he was alive. He had showed himself to them. He had walked through the wall. He had opened his hands. He had put back his coat. He let them see the scars. He let them see the wounds. They knew this is him. They knew it. And he didn't come out of that grave, son of man. He came out of that grave, son of God. Son of Almighty God. Now, Peter knew, has there ever been what you call an elephant in the room? Peter knew there was an elephant in the room. Probably a big elephant. And that elephant was something that took place three to four nights prior when Peter, standing by a fire warming himself, did exactly what Jesus said he did prophetically and denied Jesus three times. Amen? And I guarantee you every time a chicken crowed, Peter cringed. Three days and three nights, he had to wonder, was he really the son of God? Did, 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 he, did, he, did he really die like he died? Is he really going to come back from the dead? I mean, if he comes back from the dead, that means I denied the Christ. But if he doesn't come back from the dead, well, we had three and a half good years with a prophet. But his discouragement, his, his, his physical, excuse me, his spiritual failure, his setback motivated him to make this statement that we read past and we don't think much about it. He said this, and now he's got a, all these other disciples. He said, I'm going fishing. I'm going fishing. Now, in the significance of revelation in the scripture, we know according to Luke chapter 5, it was three and a half years prior that he went on a fishing trip. Anybody remember that? Luke chapter 5. He, he, he's got kind of a 
bad day going on. Fished all night. Came up to that common fish market there at the Sea of Galilee. Didn't have any fish. But there was this kind of strange guy in town that morning. And a lot of people seemed to be gathering around him. Peter, he was over busy washing his nets. Wasn't paying a whole, much, a whole bunch of attention. Until this gentleman said to him, Hey, you mind if I use your boat? The crowd's pressing upon me. I'll stand in the boat a little bit, pull back from the shore, and I can teach the people. He probably said, Sure, man, ain't done me no good. You know? But then Jesus looked over at Peter and said this, Let's go fishing. Peter probably thought, Well, maybe this is a charter. You know what a charter is when you hire a guide or a, or a boat to take you fishing? Well, maybe this is a charter. Well, it wasn't a charter. It was a lifestyle change, amen? And all of a sudden, going, now listen to this, going to his place of failure at a time in which failure was guaranteed. Night fishermen fish at night because in that arid region, when the water cools on the top, the fish rise to the surface. They take a cast net and just catch the fish. But in the heat of the day, those fish are way down there. They don't have a, they don't have a net to get it unless somebody calls them. And all of a sudden, on this trip with this strange guy that had come into town, he got them a harvest of fish so big that nobody in the past ever built a boat big enough to haul that many fish. And the boat began to sink. And they had to haul other boats. And Peter fell on his knees because, first of all, he got a revelation of himself, I'm a sinful man. But it was on that fishing trip that Jesus called him to be a fisher of men. The Bible says he forsook all and followed him. And we know three and a half years of, of following Jesus, he didn't do everything right. He made some, some bad statements, some bad moves, some bad things. But then that night of that last supper when Jesus told him, now listen, before the cock crows, you'll deny me three times. He was like, no way, I'll die with you. See, sometimes our commitments are very shallow. And when the pressure was on, what did he do? He denied Jesus three times. Ever had a setback? Ever had a failure? Now let me just say this. It's not that you're not ever going to have them because you are. It's what you do when you have them. You've got to get back up. You've got to stand up. You've got to make a decision. I'm not letting this setback set me back. I'm going to move on with God. I'm going to move forward. Because if you don't, the enemy's going to be there to supply you with enough thought material to talk you out of the blessings of God. He'll flat talk you out of it. I mean, he's a master at talking people out of healing, talking people out of blessing, talking people out of coming to church, and especially trying to talk people out of coming to churches like this and where God can do something for you. Amen. So here's Peter. Jesus is risen from the dead. He's what Peter got a revelation of in Matthew 16. Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. But he, he got this, this revelation of his own embarrassment. My God, I've denied the Christ. I think I'm going to go fishing. Now could it be that he was just in his mind thinking, well, you know, if he called me on a fishing trip, maybe he'll restore me on a fishing trip. So I, I still to this day see a little bit of faith in Peter that Jesus is going to show up on this trip. I just keep hearing it in his voice. I'm going, it's not like, well, I'm going back in the fishing business. Forget all this stuff. We're done. It's like kind of like, I'm going to go fishing. Yeah, that's what I'm going to do. I'm going to go fishing. So off they go. It says, uh, Simon Peter, 
said unto them, I'll go a fishing. They said unto him, we go with thee. They went forth and entered into a ship immediately. And that night they caught nothing. But when the morning was now come. I love that phrase. You know, mornings always represent a new day, a newness, new opportunities. When, listen, no matter how dark your night is, morning is coming. Oh, come on, church. No matter how dark the darkness is may be on you right now, morning's coming if you'll let it. Thank God Peter was there. Thank God Peter was in the boat. Thank God he went fishing. And thank God the morning was... Could you see the, can you see the scene of the beautiful sunrise? I guarantee it was probably a beautiful sunrise when Jesus was there. Amen? So the sun is rising. When morning was now come, Jesus stood on the shore. But the disciples knew not that it was Jesus. Then Jesus said unto them, Children, have ye any meat? They answered him, No. He said unto them, Cast the net on the right side of the ship and you shall find. They cast therefore, and now they were not able to draw, to draw it for the multitude of fishes. Therefore the disciple, whom Jesus loved, said unto Peter, It is the Lord. Now when Simon Peter heard that it was the Lord, he girded his fisher's coat unto him, for he was naked, and did cast himself into the sea. Now wait a second. Isn't this the guy that walks on water? Amen. But you've got to read between the lines. This is so precious in the ministry of the Lord Jesus Christ, and he has not stopped doing this. Peter's quick spiritual mathematical conclusion of the entire situation was this. It's the Lord. It's Jesus. And if He's on that beach for anybody, He's on that beach for me. So there's no ocean. There's no mountain. There's nothing on this earth that's going to stop me from getting to Him. I guarantee you, He set His... That could have been a 20-mile swim and He'd have swam it on top of the water. You say, why? Because he knew if Jesus showed up, he is showing up for this poor old failure of a fisherman who did everything he could do to serve God and still ended up a failure. Amen. Now notice. It is the Lord. When Simon Peter saw it, he girded his fisher's coast and cast himself into the sea. The other disciples came in a little ship, for they were not far from land, but as it were 200 cubits, dragging the net, the, the, the net with fishes. And as soon as they were come to the land, they saw a fire. Everybody say a fire. When's the last time you saw a fire? Anybody know? It was in that room where he denied Peter. I mean, when he, where Peter denied Jesus. See that? He was standing by a fire warming. Now Jesus, what did he do? He built a fire. I'll, I'll pick that up later. You'll, you'll get real happy. Amen? See, there was a fire. And as soon as they were come to the land, they saw a fire of coals and fish laid thereon. And Jesus said unto them, Bring of the fish which you have now caught, which you have new caught. And Simon Peter went up and drew the net to the land full of great fishes, 153. Did you know every person in the human family can be divided into one of 153 ethnic groups. Did you know that? That's true. Every 
person can be classified. Whatever your classification may be is, you know, I'm Irish or I'm French or I'm African. Or this. Every one of us fall into one of 153. That, that, all those fish represented the harvest. The harvest of souls that Jesus wants. Amen? Now notice this. Simon Peter went up and drew the net full of great fishes, 150 and 3. And for all there were so many, yet was the net not broken. Jesus said unto them, Come and dine. And none of the disciples just asked him, Who art thou, knowing that it was the Lord? Jesus then cometh, taketh bread, giveth them, and fish likewise. This is the third time that Jesus showed himself to his disciples after that he was risen from the dead. So they knew who this was. So when they had dined, Jesus said to Simon Peter, now notice this, Simon, son of Jonas, lovest thou me more than these? Now that's King James. I was studying in the, in, in the Passion Bible. It says it a little different. Let me find it here. You know? Glory to God. I brought my right glasses. Now notice this. Well, let me get it right here. He said, after they had breakfast, Jesus said to Simon, he said to Peter, Simon, son of Jonas, now listen to this, do you burn with love for me more than these? <laughs> now, can you, you got to see this scene. Amen? You've got to see, there they are, the disciples. There's one missing. He hung himself. There's Peter. He's the big failure. So Jesus has fed them with fish and bread and they're sitting around the campfire all happy. And Jesus kind of gets up and walks over to Peter and says, Hey, do you burn with love for me more than these? He probably went. Say what? Amen. I guarantee you uh, thousands of thoughts probably begin to go through his mind. Is he fixing to, to judge me and execute me? <laughs> Amen. Is he, is, he, is he fixing to do something to me, to make an example of me? I mean, what would you say? Or what do you say when you deny him? Oh, he never died. Oh, yeah, you do. Every time he beckons you to pray and you don't go, you deny him. Every time he woos you to get into the word, every time, every time he gently speaks to you and wants to fellowship with you, and you say, oh, no, no, we're too busy. We're in ministry. Amen. Do your, does, does, does love burn in your heart for me more than these? What a question to ask. Amen. He saith unto him, Yea, Lord, yes, Lord, thou knowest I love you. He said unto him, Feed my lambs. He saith unto him the second time, Simon, son of Jonas, Lovest thou me? He said unto him, Yea, Lord, thou knowest I love thee. He said unto him, Feed my sheep. He said unto them the third time, Simon, son of Jonas, lovest thou me? Peter was grieved. That word grieved means to suffer an apparent loss. He was grieved. Everybody say grieved. Because he said unto him the third time, Lovest thou me? And he said unto him, Lord, Thou knowest all things, and thou knowest I love thee. Jesus said unto him, Feed my sheep. Now, I can tell you by experience that on my lowest 
backslidden day away from God in the depth of sin in my heart of hearts I still love God I still love Jesus I couldn't express it I was bound by sin amen and I guarantee you Peter he never quit loving Jesus but his ability to love him had been hampered by his own denial you got to get that church you say why because the enemy will hamper your love toward God by your failures you're not worthy you're not holy you blew it here you blew it there you kept the tithe last year you did this you did that and he'll pile it on you and pile it on you and pile it on you and God could care less about all of that he just wants you to love him the issue is not why did you do what you did the issue is do you love me he was not fishing for Peter's excuse he didn't say Peter tell me why you denied me Peter wouldn't have an answer for it just like many of us don't have an answer for why we failed we don't have an answer for why we missed the mark we don't have that but you've got to understand your heavenly father is the consummate restore he wants to restore he wants to bless and even put a mandate in the new covenant that said you that are spiritual restore those that fall away lest the same thing come upon you listen I've been doing this for a long time but I still remain sober in the fact that I live in fallen flesh and I've got a mind that's got to be renewed every day. And if you do not fight that fight every day, you lose that fight. But if you make a decision, I'm going to live for God because I love Him. My entire life is all about God. I, I wrote this down. I've got, I wrote it on a note. Where did I write that at, Lord? I think it's over here. When we go to, when we go to Peter, I'll read it. But I want, to, I want to read it now because I think it'll fit. Listen to this. Where did I put it? Maybe it's in this one. Got all this stuff up here. Yeah, I was going to use a, um, what do they call them, an iPad? Couldn't find one that said holy on it. <laughs> amen? Never mind. I don't know I'm going to get some comment on that. Amen? Well, a lot of people's problem is, is in this right here. I said, I said this to some people last night. In serving God, they make Jesus the most important thing in their life. Amen? You say, what'd you, what'd you say? I said, a lot of people, their problem is that in serving Jesus, they make Jesus the most important thing in their life. If you do that, you've made a mistake. You say, well, what do you mean by that? Because Jesus doesn't fit with things. So Jesus cannot be the most important thing in your life. He must be your life. There is a difference. Let me say that again. He cannot be the most important thing in your life. He must be your life for He Himself said, I am the way, I am the truth, I am the life. He didn't say, I'm going to show you the way, I'm going to tell you the truth, I'm going to give you life. He said, no, I am the way, I am the truth, I am the life. You want that, you got to have me. I can't be the most important thing in your life because I do not line up with things, even at the head. I must be your life. Amen. So here's Peter. He's kind of like got his ears pinned back. Do you love me? Do you love me? Finally, he said this. I guarantee you this was his intent. Jesus, 
You can read me better than I can read myself. You know me better than I know myself. But if you look deep into my heart of hearts, you'll see there is a love there for you that cannot be removed. In my failure, missing it, my denials. You know what Jesus was doing? Same thing he does to us. Three times Peter denied, but three times Jesus began to pry his fingers loose. See, we do that. Here's what we do. We hold on. We hold on. We hold on. I can't. I'm, I'm too old now. Tell that to Moses when God called him at 80 years old. I'm too old now. No, you're not. I'm too weak now. No, you're not. The Bible says, well, let the weak say I'm strong. And you begin to use those excuses and they become the denials of your life while many times you just sit in church with Jesus being the most important thing in your life. And then you wonder, why doesn't faith work for me like that? Why doesn't it work like it works for Pastor Rusty? Why does it? It's because you have to make him the Lord. He has to be Savior and Lord of your life. He calls every shot. He makes every decision. He is your all in all. He's not bunched in with the things that you value. No, no, no. He sits way above all that as the Lord of your life. So as, as, as Jesus, oh, he's, he's so gently, so tenderly begin to pull that guy's fingers loose from all those denials. And I've seen people all through the years of life and ministry where they, they hold something. Well, you know, if it, if it wasn't for the bankruptcy, if it wasn't for the divorce, as it wasn't, we lost a child, this. I don't care what it is. In life, Jesus has already provided what you need to be healed and restored of. And no matter how big your family, you say, well, Pastor, I just blew it. Okay, good. Get on the other side of it. This was Jesus bringing Peter to the other side of the denial because the side he was living on was going to kill him. So he brought him over to the love side and the forgiveness side. Peter, do you love me? Did you know that's the only issue? You don't need to make an excuse. Say, well, this is why I got drunk and stoned and did all. No, no, no. That's not the issue. The issue is, do you love me? Now, years later, we know that the Apostle Peter lived out his life, refused to be crucified as his Lord was, and was crucified upside down. No historical evidence in any, in any uh, uh, writings or, or what I would call also government literature that was provided by the Roman government. None of it, any of it, indicates Peter ever went to Rome. They claim him, one, you know, one, uh, one denomination claims him as the head of the church. He's not the head of the church. Jesus is. Amen. But he ends up writing two letters to the church. And the letter of 2 Peter, I believe, gives us a picture of a man that lived his life after being restored by the Lord Jesus Christ, maximizing the potential of his calling. We see that in the book of Acts. Amen. But not only that, lived out his life in a tenderness that can only be produced by the love of God in his life to where we hear his letters and read and meditate on his letters, we don't even recognize him. He's not the gruff fisherman anymore. He's not the one who's been burned by the sun, tanned by the sun, and whose hands are rough and gruff from handling the nets. Now his hands are smooth and soft from laying them on people that needed help. Now his voice is, is calm like his master's because that's who taught him. Amen. And his, and his messages flow with revelation knowledge. So he sits down and he pins 2 Peter. Listen to it. Let's listen to it. I'm going to read it here in the, ample, in, the, in, the, uh, in the King James and we'll look at it in a couple other trans, translations. Simon Peter. Now notice how he calls himself. A servant. 
Verse 1, chapter 1, 2 Peter. Simon Peter, now notice that. A servant. Not a leader. No, a servant. Number one, a servant. Then what? An apostle, the office that Jesus placed him in, of Jesus Christ. To them who have obtained like precious faith with us through the righteousness of God and our Savior, Jesus Christ. Is that you? He's talking directly to you. This letter is directly to you. Can I get a better amen? Then he says this, grace and peace be multiplied unto you. Now notice this phrase, through the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. Pastor, I just need peace. Through the knowledge of God and our Lord Jesus. Pastor, I just I need some grace working in my mind. Through the knowledge of God and our Pastor, I tell you, I need healing in my body. Through the knowledge of God and our do you get that? Now notice this. According as his divine power hath, past tense, given, past tense, unto us two or three things. You mean, you mean being able to go hunt a nice deer and, and, and have your dream come true? You mean going to Mexico and having a great crusade? Going to Ireland and building churches? Going to, going to Australia and doing ministry? Going to Nicaragua? Build, you, mean, you mean all things? A fun vacation? Rest and relaxation? All things? See, the problem is we do spiritual things, then we detach ourselves and we try to live a life over here without faith. You've got to live by faith in everything you do. Your job. Your hobbies, your all, all, everything you do, you have the just shall live, shall live, shall live by faith. Amen. Now notice this. All things, all things that pertain unto what? Life. Life. That's the word zoe. That's the God kind of, it's not the Republican life, not the Democratic life, not the American dream. It's the God kind of life. I don't want the American dream. I want the God kind of life. You say, why? The American dream is less. It's less. Now notice. Through the knowledge of Him, here it is again. We saw it in verse 2. Through the knowledge of God and of Jesus Christ, according as His divine power, hath given us all things that pertain unto life and godliness. Through the knowledge of Him that hath called us to glory and virtue, whereby are given unto us exceeding great and precious promises, that by these you might be partakers of the divine nature. The Word helps you to partake of the divine nature. The divine nature is not sick. The divine nature is not poor. The divine nature is not depressed. I think there's a lot of people in the body of Christ in church that have lived in depression for so long they think it's normal. It's not normal. Amen. I know that we get viewed a lot as being abnormal. And you get around us a lot, you'll probably figure out we are pretty abnormal compared to the world. But everywhere we go, we go laughing. We go with joy. The Bible says you go out with joy. Amen. Everywhere we go, we go in peace because if we don't have peace, we ain't going. All these simple truths that empower us to be what? Partakers of the divine nature. The divine nature is the nature of your heavenly Father. 
See, people are always complaining about their victimization because of how they were born. Well, I was born into a family with a lot of alcoholism, a lot of divorce, a lot of drug addiction. No, you weren't. You were born again into a family that doesn't have any of that. Quit living by the fallen family. Live by the family of God that you're now in. Now listen to his words. I love it. Whereby are given unto us exceeding great and precious promise. Who uses the word precious? Gruff old fishermen with their hands hardened by the nets over the years? I'm going to tell you who uses the word precious. It's people that have discovered the preciousness of their Savior. And they know that even his words are precious. Hallelujah. The word precious means valuable. Whereby are given unto us exceeding great and precious promises that by these you might be partakers of the divine nature. Now notice this. Having, now this is a scripture that we have to have in the last days right here. Having escaped, escaped the corruption that is in the world, in the cosmos, through lust or the lust of evil men. Now let me just say something, church. Don't get mad at me. Don't get mad. But listen, in our political parties, both of them, there is corruption. In our government, there is corruption. And all that's gone on, I'm not going to say, well, this is what's right about COVID. This is what's wrong. This is what's right about vaccines. I don't care. In all of it, there is corruption. In everything that the world puts its hand to, there is an element of corruption. And God says, I want you to escape the corruption that is in this world through the lust of the evil men that would be upon the earth in the last days. That corruption should not affect us as believers. You say, well, they're dragging the economy down to the, very, down to the very bottom. Well, let them do it. It doesn't affect us because we live in a better covenant based on better promises than anybody's ever had on the earth. And we've got up and said for years, even in our field ministry, we said in the last days when the greatest sickness is upon the earth, there'll be health in the church. In the last days when economies are failing all over the world and your money is not worth anything, there'll be prosperity in the church. And when there's the greatest darkness in the earth, there'll be light in the church so people will know that is God and there is another way to live. You can escape the corruption that is in the world. Thank God. I said, thank God. But now notice this. That you might be partakers of the divine nature having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. And besides this, giving all diligence, add to your faith, add to, add to your faith virtue. Everybody say virtue. Now that's power. Everybody say power. Now that's power you give your faith. Not power that God gives His faith. That's already built into the Word. You have to believe it as the Word says, which means you must believe in your heart and confess with your mouth. Don't just give mental assent to it and say, well, I see it's in order. I guess it must be true. Well, you don't believe that. You're just mentally assenting to it. But oh, I'm going to tell you something. If you'll get in those scriptures and meditate a little bit, marinate a little bit, saturate a little bit, Next thing you know, it won't be some preacher talking to you. It'll be God talking to you through His Word. And when He speaks those gentle words into your heart, it's like writing upon the tablet of your heart. That's exactly what He does. He begins to script on the tablet of your heart His love, His compassion, His desire for you, His dream for your life, everything He wants for you. But you've got to be willing and obedient in order to see it, understand it, and begin to walk it out. 
God's got great things for you. My goodness. I said, God's got great things for you. I said, God's got great things for you. You've only tasted and seen that the Lord is good. But in these last days, God's got great things for the church. Great things for the church. Add some power to your faith. Be strong in the Lord and the power of his might. Don't be some wimp just beat up everything. Every time the devil goes boo, you run and hide. Amen. And to virtue, knowledge. Seek the knowledge of God. Study, meditate, have the word taught to you. Live in the word of God. I still echo the words of Francis Ward. She says, you have no greater relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ than you have with this book right here. You neglect this, you neglect Him. You forsake this, you forsake Him. He is the word, was the word, forever will be the word of Almighty God. Hallelujah. To knowledge, temperance. To temperance, patience. To patience, godliness. To godliness, brotherly kindness. We could teach on all of these. It's so good. To brotherly kindness, charity or love. For if, now there's the word if. You ought to always circle the ifs in your Bible. And, and, and remember, that's a choice. Wherever there's an if, I have to make a choice. Wherever there's an if, I have to make a choice. For if these things be in you and abound, they make you that you shall neither be barren nor unfruitful in the knowledge. There we go again. Third time. In the knowledge of our Lord Jesus. How important is the knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ? It is the most important. He is what God watches over to perform. The ministry of the Lord Jesus Christ did not stop when he rose from the dead. It was transferred to the church, and when it was transferred to the church, it was given to you. Mm-mm. Oh, man, where'd my time go? But he that lacketh these things is blind and cannot see afar off and hath forgotten that he was purged from his old sins. Wherefore the rather give diligence to make your calling and election sure. For if you do these things, you shall never fail. Why did God give that revelation to Peter? Because he failed. Because he failed. So he lived his life to show us how not to fail. And he gave us I don't like formulas in the Bible. Well, there's one right there. I said, there's one right there. And it is all invested in the knowledge of God and of the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. For as that knowledge grows and as that knowledge increases, what do we preach on for six weeks? Does anybody know what happens when that knowledge grows and that knowledge increases? Grace Now, in conclusion, if you're in a situation or a circumstance that you've been in for a long time, praying to get out of, praying to be delivered from, a sickness, a disease, a financial problem, and you've struggled and you're still struggling, and it still seems like that in that fight you're not gaining any ground, you're losing ground. Has that ever happened to anybody besides me? 
Amen? And you got that sick feeling in the pit of your stomach that this ain't working. You know what that is? That's the Spirit of God speaking to you. He's trying to tell you, you have a problem right here that you do not have the grace to receive yet the answer to that problem. So you need to start working on the knowledge of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ. And you do. That grace level is going to rise and rise. And then one day it's going to click right into that area in which that problem is. It's going to go right in that area and that problem is going to be gone by the grace of God. You can't just sit around and say, well, I'm just waiting for, for Brother Christopher Alarm to come. Or I'm waiting for this. No, no, you cannot do that. You've got to get busy right now. You've got to take this book and you've got to live in it. You've got to read it. You've got to study it. You've got to meditate. Then you've got to live in it. You've got to obey its precepts, its principles, and you've got to walk it out. Amen? If you will do that, you will not fail. And I don't care if you've been a failure for all your life. The next years of your life don't have to be. The next months of your life don't have to be. The next days of your life don't have to be. If you will make a decision to answer that one question. You know what it is? Do you love me? Not the pastor. Jesus. He'll say to you, Leah, do you love me? Trey, do you love me? Julio, do you love me? Well, I, I, God, let me tell you, let me give you all my excuses. No, 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 I don't want your excuses. I don't want your excuses. I want you to know, do you love me? Well, you don't understand. I, I, I was born in the wrong family. I was born in the wrong town. I had the wrong parents. I had the wrong car, wrong job, went to the wrong school. No, that's, not the, that's not the issue. Do you love me? And as soon as you say yes, then he says this, feed my sheep. Or he gives you what? An assignment. He may just say, sit in the church till you're healed and restored. Be an usher. Work with the kids. You can be a missionary. Support them. Whatever he says, whatever he tells you. The Bible says in Isaiah, if we're willing and obedient. Sometimes our obedience lacks willingness. We wonder why it doesn't work right. The willing and obedient shall eat the fat of the land. And I'm telling you, there's some fat in the land that God wants us to have. And I know, listen, I, I'm not, I know the Lord's led us prophetically through the years since COVID, showing us what was coming, showing us what was happening. We talked about darkness. We talked about a time in which it kind of seemed benign. And then, you know, but I'm telling you, the days ahead are perilous times in the extreme. In the extreme. But in the midst of it, there is a grace for us. A grace for us as a people, as a church, to not only survive this, but to thrive in the midst of it. And then one day, one day, I believe in our lifetime, there's going to be the shout of an archangel and there's going to be the trump of God's sound and we're going to hear it. Amen? And I say it like this, He's going to catch me in the jump because when I hear it, I'm going to jump and I'm not going to expect my feet to hit the ground. He's going to catch me in the jump. You say, why? Because I'm expecting it in Jesus' name. Amen? You get something this morning? That help you out? Praise God. Bow your head. Every head bow, every eye closed, just for a moment. If you were to say, Pastor, I, I don't even know I'm saved. I don't even know that I'm saved. I, if I were to die, I couldn't tell you that I'd, I'd go to heaven. Well, you can be sure. You can know. You don't have to go on a hope. Say, well, I hope I will. That, that's not faith. That won't get you anywhere. But if you're here today, you say, Pastor, I've never made Jesus Lord and Savior, and you want to. Well, what a great day to do that. 
Or if you're here, you say, Pastor, I, I'm saved. I'm, Jesus is my Lord, my Savior. But I tell you, I sure have gotten away from Him. I broke fellowship. I'm not walking with God like I should. As a matter of fact, my desires are even changing the wrong direction. I need them to turn around and go the right direction. Well, that can happen in an instant of time. When you come to yourself and answer the question, do you love me? Do you love Jesus? He loved you enough. Now listen to me. Listen to me with your ear of faith. He loved you enough to die for you. And anyone could die for you. But He loved you enough to raise from the dead and to give you His life. So with nobody looking around, every head bowed, every eye closed, if you've never made Jesus Lord, you just need to get right with God. We're going to pray a prayer here in just a moment. If you want to get in on that prayer, raise your hand right now. With nobody looking around. We see one. God bless you. Anyone else? Help me, ushers. Help me, ushers. One person has raised their hand. Anyone else? Let's say, that's me. I need to be right with God this morning. I do love you, Jesus. I do love you, Jesus. Hallelujah. One is raised. Anyone else? Quickly. Quickly, as we look across. Well, good. Praise God. Stand on your feet, if, we, if you will. One has raised their hand, but we'll pray for one. Amen? Oh, I ought to get a better amen than that. So you that raised your hand, pray this prayer out loud with all of us. As all of us pray this prayer, you pray it also. And look, even if you didn't raise your hand and you need that prayer, pray it out loud. Let your own ears hear it. Then after you pray it, you sell it. I'm right with God. I'm going to stay right with God. Hallelujah. Everybody ready? Here we go. After me. Heavenly Father, right now, standing in Island Church, November of 22, I confess Jesus Christ as my Lord, my Savior, my Healer, my Deliverer. Heavenly Father, areas of my life that have been displeasing to you, that has caused me to turn and walk in another direction. I ask your forgiveness. I confess it to you, Lord, and you alone thanking you that your blood is still perpetually working for me, cleansing me of all sin, all unrighteousness. Thank you, Father. I receive your love. I receive your forgiveness, and I give you my life. I'll never stray again. I'll never doubt again. I will saturate myself with the knowledge of God and of our Lord Jesus Christ, I ask you now, in the name of Jesus, to put an overwhelming hunger in me for the things of God, the anointing of God, the blessing of God. In Jesus' name, hallelujah. Now lift your hands and worship God. Thank you, Father. We worship you, Lord. Father, we glorify your name. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Father. Stephen, Rachel, come, come up so we can pray for you this morning. Hallelujah. Praise God. They're here for a time of rest and relaxation. We want that to happen for them. Amen. We want them blessed of the Lord as they... Hallelujah. You know, the Lord just spoke to me. He said, tell them things are changing. 
that a lot is changing and, and, and don't be resistant to change because it may freak you out. God may say this to you or that and you think, well, well, how can we do that? God says, don't be resistant to change. If you're not, things will happen quicker than you think because you need some things to change now, like right now. And God says, they will change, but don't be resistant to the way I change them because you'll know now that's God. And you'll, there'll be times you'll think, well, I don't know, man, but, but you know, now that's God. That's God doing Because God, this is what the Lord says. He's got me to lift the weight because the weight has been so strong for so long. And it's like you're, literally like you're, I can see it, uh, 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 Stephen, like you're pushing a plow through rocks at times and you're thinking, my God, this is the most useless thing I could be doing. Why am I doing this? Pushing this plow through these rocks. But the Lord wanted you to know that there was dirt on the those rocks. And he needed a man that could move the rocks. <laughs> that would stick with the plow, that stayed with the plow and remove the rocks. So there'll be fruit that will come to your account in the years ahead that you won't even know that it was planted, taken care of, and reaped, but it'll come into your hands and you'll go, how did that happen? And the Lord said, you're the one that removed the rocks. I have to pay you for that. Amen. Hallelujah. So be careful. Pray. Because there is some direction and assignment. It's not here yet. You're not there yet. But it's you're coming up to new direction and a new assignment is going to come and it's going to just lift that head. You're going to say, glory to God and that same zeal that you went with you'll go back to it. And it's going to cause a great change. Hallelujah. Father, ooh, thank you, Lord. This is the place in the spirit where the weary find rest. Lord, these weeks and months, yes, Lord, I see that. You will retool, revive, restore, refresh, replenish, <laughs> and equip. There's going to be new relationships, new connections, new doors, hallelujah, new support. Yes, in Jesus' name, hallelujah. Ooh. Father, great Father. Yes, lay hands on her, right up in this area, there, right there. In the name of Jesus, that's it. That healing virtue flowing into her body, removing that. Oh yeah, I'll tell her that. Here's how you'll know. You'll have your breath back. You'll have your breath back. You haven't had your breath for a while. But you'll have your breath back. <laughs> Isn't that good? Let's lift your hands and thank God. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Okay, I'm not good. I'm, you know me, Lord. Praise God. Go, go back and sit down. You sit down. Hallelujah. Praise God. Pastor John Osteen told me, never take an offering when people are standing. <laughs> He's a pretty smart guy. We're going to receive them an offering, for not for their work, not for their... We're going to receive their offering for their time off. It costs, it costs money when you're off the mission field. We're going to receive them a good offering this morning so that they'll have a wonderful time of refreshing. Now listen, let me... Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Father. 
Hallelujah. Sometimes if I'll shut up, he'll talk to me. It's true. This is what the Spirit of God just said to me. He said, for every person who will give into this offering that needs a time of rest and relaxation, this will be your seed. And in not many days ahead, you will have your opportunity for vacation, for rest, for relaxation. Because you sowed into it for someone else, God will quickly give you a harvest and cause that to come back to you. Hallelujah. Isn't that good? I receive that. We're going to sow big into that. I'm ready for a vacation. Amen. Glory to God. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Someone else, you've been having shortness of breath. Who is that? Lift your hand up. Not Jimbo. We've been praying for Jimbo. Someone else, though. I mean, not that, you know, we include Jimbo in everything around here, no matter what we're praying for, you know. <laughs> you, you've been having... Who else? There seems like there's been several. Who else has had shortness of breath? Kay, you've been having that too? You too? Praise God. You have too, sir? Praise God. You that have been having, lift your hands up right now before we receive the offer. Before we receive it. Lift your hands up. Father, right now, at its source, whatever's causing this shortness of breath, if it's a lung problem, thank you for healing. If it's a, if it's a heart problem, thank you for healing. Lord, you are the strength of our heart. That's it right there. You are the strength of our heart. Say that out loud. God is the strength of my heart. That's scriptural. That's in the book of Psalms. God is the strength of my heart. Say it to your heart. God is the strength of my heart. God is the strength of my heart. God is the strength of my heart. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Shortness of breath, leave them. Hallelujah. It's His breath in our lungs. His breath in our lungs. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Now hold up your offering. Say this. Heavenly Father, you're the one. You're the one who initiated seed, time, and harvest. Right now, I sow into a harvest of finances that will help me to rest. I need a vacation. I need a rest. I'm ready for refreshing. So I sow that I will have an open door and the finances. And I believe I receive it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Now stand on your feet. Glory to God. We're going to pray a dismissal prayer. And as you leave, come on up here and put your money in the receptacle. And be sure and greet all of our missionaries that are in the house this morning. Tell them that you love them. Amen. Praise God. Isn't God good? Isn't that cool? You know, that's happened to us a couple of times. Let me just help you just for a moment because I am a teacher. Listen, the Bible talks about giving in particular offerings in which your left hand does not know what your right hand is doing. Well, they, they didn't, you know, the words that we use in the English language, literally that could be called spontaneous. Where you're giving a spontaneous opportunity like that. And I've noticed in our life, Lee and I especially, these opportunities seem to touch the greatest level of fertile soil in our heart. That means God makes sure that seed goes into the most fertile place. In, in times like this, when your own left hand doesn't know what your right hand is doing. Amen? Thank God for men and women that taught that revelation, and we have that today, because I'm telling you, it works. Father, thank you for today. What a peace we feel. What a peace we sense right now. The peace of God that passes all understanding. 
And Father, we thank you for this day, the revelation of God, the knowledge of God, and in His Son, Jesus Christ. We ask again, we redouble our petition. Give us an overwhelming desire for the knowledge of God and of His Son, Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. Lord, as we leave today, we release our faith through confession. No evil befalls us. No plague comes nigh us. Lord, our families that are traveling right now, that are out, coming back from the holidays, we say thank you, Father, on the highways, the airways, the seaways, the railways, any other way of travel or transportation. During the holiday season, we declare the protection and safety of God. Lord, we love you. Ignite our hearts. Let us be busy about the master's business. So many around us every day hurting, confused. They don't know what's going on. Thank you for the light and the life you've given us. Let us be an answer to their prayers, miracle in their life. Lord, you said in the prophets, you give us the one in whom are born. That's the born again family of faith. You said you have given us to the earth for signs and wonders in the earth. Let us be those signs and wonders this week. We leave walking in faith and love towards you. We leave walking in love toward one another. Thank you for our church. We leave as the ambassadors of Christ you called us to be. Thanking you, Lord, here at Island Church. Covered by the blood. Powered by the word. Anointed by the Holy Spirit. Thank you for listening to Island Church's podcast. To find out more information about Island Church in Galveston, Texas, visit our website at islandchurchgalveston.com.